Well, we will take a look today at Exodus chapter 10. So please open your Bibles up there, Exodus chapter 10. Exodus 10, and let's just jump right on into it. We'll start reading in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him. So here in verse 1, we see the reiteration of something that we actually have talked about in previous chapters, and that is that the, the Lord's reasonings for doing what he is doing in the life of Pharaoh and his servants. The heart of Pharaoh is hardened for a reason. God wanted to show his signs, his power before Pharaoh. And I've tried to remind you a few times in the past as we've been going through the book of Exodus, but we must keep in mind God's ultimate plan in all of this. His ultimate plan was the redemption of mankind from the bondage of sin and death. And as you read through the Bible, and and when you're all the way back here in the Old Testament like we are, uh, it's important that you keep that picture in mind, that God's ultimate plan was the redemption of mankind from the bondage of sin and death. But as we read the story, again, like I said, all the way back here in Exodus, God is redeeming a people from a physical bondage of slavery. And this people are his own special people, a chosen group of people. From these people, the Israelites would ultimately come the ultimate redeemer of mankind, Jesus Christ. So as God hardens Pharaoh's heart, he is doing so for a very specific purpose. And again, I've discussed that in in recent weeks, uh, the reasonings for the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. But verse 2 then goes on to say, And that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So you see, the Lord God wants His people to know that He is the Lord, that there is none other. And He wants His people to tell it to their children. Tell them of all the mighty works that He has done on their behalf. This isn't the only time that God will say something like this, what he says here in in, in verse 2, as he tells Moses that he wants him to to see the, the mighty works and he wants his son to see the mighty works and his son's son. God spoke something similar to the Israelites and I want to have you go ahead and look at it now. We'll mark this page and we'll turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 11. It's to the right from where we are now, you will find, from Exodus, you'll find Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy chapter 11. And let's start reading down in verse 18. So Deuteronomy eleven, eighteen. The Lord speaking says, Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, 
and bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them like the days of the heavens above the earth. For if you carefully keep all these commandments, which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours from the wilderness of Lebanon, from the river and the river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread, just as he has said to you, behold, I set before you today blessing and a curse, a blessing and a curse, the blessing. If you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods, which you have not known. So you see, as God spoke to Moses back in Exodus, it was his desire that Moses would pass on to his children the story of his wonderful works in Egypt and what he was doing on behalf of his people. And when God was giving them commandments as they were preparing to settle into their land, like we're reading about in Deuteronomy here, the Lord God wanted them to be sure that they taught his commandments to their children for all generations to come. And today, nothing has changed for the people of God. The people of God today, however, are not just one small group of people, but rather the worldwide body of Christ. That is, people that have come to faith in Jesus Christ. These are the people of God. And we too have commands that we can keep in our hands and keep before our eyes. And that they're written down in the pages of the Holy Bible, right? And we must learn these commands. We must learn the ways of the Lord. We must learn to keep them, right? Meaning that we live, that we live it out. And we must pass it on to our children for generations to come. There's blessing in that. There's a blessing when we walk in the commands of the Lord, right? But we need to let our children know of the mighty works that the Lord has done for us. Let them see the effects of His mighty works in our lives. And as we flip back now to Exodus chapter 10, and we pick it up in verse 3, it says, So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews. Now it's interesting, I'll pause here just to say, I always like how we see God tell Moses to do something, and he does it. He's keeping the commands of God. He's obeying God, right? God tells him to do it. He goes and does it. 
He said, so thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Now, as I read verse 3 here, I must kind of deduce, if you will, a couple of things from it. It seems as if even though the Lord God has repeatedly hardened Pharaoh's heart in order that he might show his mighty works as we have seen, even though this is the case, it seems that Pharaoh still had the opportunity to humble himself before the Lord. This is hard to understand when you think about the lengths that the Lord God will go to reach into the hearts of mankind today. I should say it's not hard to understand when you think about the lengths that the Lord will go to reach into the hearts of mankind today. God, by His Spirit today, is continually reaching out to people through the gospel of Jesus Christ and calling them to come into a personal relationship with Him so that they can know a blessing, so that they can know His Word and and as a result, know a blessing in their lives, right? There, there may even today be some hardship that comes into a person's life that, that God allows in order that they may have the opportunity to see that they need Him in their lives. God may allow that for a specific reason so that they'll come to see they need Him. They may, they may you know, not quite get the lesson the first time because their hearts are hardened toward the Lord. So the, the hardships may come time and time again until that person ultimately humbles themselves before the Lord and turns to Him. But again, God in His love is reaching out to people in this way and keep, keep knocking on the doors of their hearts and hoping that they'll open up and let Him in. Right? And it could be that in their hardness of heart that the Lord has allowed, others around them could be affected by the ultimate outcome of their salvation Right, when they finally do turn to the Lord. I have seen and have uh, been myself a hard-hearted person that at first refused the Lord, but ultimately um, through my demise... I finally submitted to the Lord. So now I look back and count it all joy, you know, the, the hardships that came in my life that caused me to come to the Lord. You know, as a result of um, me coming to the Lord, my, my wife saw a man that was once hard-hearted that turned from the Lord, and, and this had an impact on her life when she saw the change in me. So the hardening of the heart that, the Lord does, if it be His will, will always have the ultimate outcome of a changed heart and a born-again heart, right? A heart that has been set free. I shouldn't say it always will have that outcome because people can continue in the hardness of their heart. And the more a person does continue in the hardness of their heart, the more set they get in that. And they don't care to hear about the Lord. But the hard heart of Pharaoh um, is is going to produce something wonderful for the lives of God's children, right? It will cause this people to see who the Lord is. He is Yahweh. He is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty, the everlasting God, the one who was and who is and to is to come, who is to come. But God always provides a way of escape 
from the hardness of one's heart. If people are willing to pay attention, God will always provide a way of escape. There's, there's somebody that comes into your life or circumstances that happen that bring you back to the knowledge of the Lord and, and draw you there. God's trying to draw people to himself and he provides a way of escape. But in order to receive it, it takes humility. It takes us to come to a place in our lives where we surrender and we say, I need the Lord. He is, he is my all in all. I need him, right? And Pharaoh had the opportunity to humble himself or else it wouldn't be written here as it is. But you know, I can't help but think how we too have the opportunity to humble ourselves in so many circumstances that we face in this life. Right? As I mentioned, God always provides a way of escape. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 that says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. In other words, we all deal with the same kind of things. When hardships come or people attack or this happens or that happens, you know, everybody's got to deal with that in this life. But it says, But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So you see, there's always a way out, but it's usually pride that keeps people stuck within the same old problems time and time again, you know. And James chapter 4 verse 1 says, Where do wars and, and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? So in other words, the problems that we face are not without us on the outside of us. The problems that we face many times from our hard hearts and our pride, it comes from within us. And we want what we want. We want to be right and we want the other person to be wrong or, or this, that or the other thing, right? But in that same chapter, James goes on to say, James chapter 4, I'm reading to you from, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So when we read a verse like that, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, that gives us an indication that when we are walking in pride and we're not humbling ourselves and we're not surrendering to God, that we're actually not resisting the devil, that we're allowing the devil to have his way in our lives. But that scripture says if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. You see, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But it must be within our heart to seek him to come to know him and to find him, right? So, but when it's all about you and when it's all about what you want and what you desire, you're not resisting the devil. You're actually following his ways because that's exactly how he is. But when you humble yourself in a, search, in a certain situation or in your life as a whole, right? Then you are following the Lord because that's exactly how the Lord was. He was humble. So God always provides the opportunity for humility, even with a man like Pharaoh. And in, uh, back in Exodus chapter 10, I don't know if I had you go out of there, but here in Exodus chapter 10, uh, verse 4, the Lord God through Moses tells Pharaoh to humble himself, right? And then it says, or else 
If you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory, and they shall cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth, and they shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hail, which was the previous plague, right? And they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. They shall fill your houses, the houses of all your servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your fathers' fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Now, I've said this before, but we must remember that our decisions to be obedient to the Word of God or to not be obedient to the Word of God will have its effects on everyone around us. It wasn't just Pharaoh here that was affected by these plagues. It wasn't just Pharaoh that was affected by these locusts. It was all the Egyptian people in the land. And when we walk in pride, we can be sure that those around us will feel the effects of our sin, our disobedience to the word of the Lord. It will have a lasting effect on our children and their future children because they grew up in a place where they saw us behave poorly and they didn't grow up in a place where the word of God was. So if we go to our jobs and people see us act poorly, then this will have its effect on them as well, especially um, if we ever let it slip out that we're a Christian, but yet we behave in a certain manner. You know, that's going to have its negative effects on those people of what they think about Christianity. So again, our sin has its effects not only on us, but on others around us as well. But the answer for Pharaoh was humility. The answer for us is humility. Humble ourselves before God. Die to ourselves. Not let it be all about ourselves. Not walk in pride and such. Verse 7, Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? So this had to be a pretty rough time here for Pharaoh's servants to speak to him like this and say, you know, come on, Pharaoh, wake up. The country's burning. Wake up. We're being destroyed. Get a clue. At least let the Israelite men go. And it, seemed that, and it seems that Pharaoh takes heed to his servants because in verse 8 it says, So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Then he said to them, The Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Now let me pause right there. Because what has taken place here is that Pharaoh has asked Moses how many people does he want him to let go? And Moses basically answers and says, we're all going. All the people, every last one of us and all of our livestock. Pharaoh then gives Moses a little threat, basically saying, oh yeah, is that what you think? 
You have no clue, Moses, the evil that awaits you if you try and leave here with all these people, right, and all your livestock. Not so, he says. Not so, buddy. That's not going to happen. And verse 11 continues, and Pharaoh tells Moses, Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. That's Moses and Aaron, right? They were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. But Pharaoh's not humbled himself yet. He's decided that he's only going to let the men go. That's his decision. He thinks he's still in control of everything here. But this isn't what the Lord God wanted to hear Pharaoh say. So verse 12 continues and says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on all the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt, and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. So this has never been, was never seen before, nor will it ever be seen again. Verse 15, For they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the land, and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left, so there had remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. Now this is, a, this is very familiar territory when it comes to this man Pharaoh because he did this same thing back in Exodus chapter 9. He proclaimed words of repentance, but never really changed his heart. And people do the same kind of thing today. Uh, they may come to a broken time in their lives. This or that may have failed them, and they call out in repentance to the Lord. They may even become a church attender, right? But with God, it's not, that's not what it's all about. It's a matter of the heart. Right? It's a matter of what happens within you. I've known people that quote the scriptures better than anyone I've ever seen, but actually had no change of heart. They still acted like a fool when they were not around other Christians. And this is the, this is the real deal with, this is not the real deal with Pharaoh here, right? He is still the same old man, right? He's no change of heart. But verse 18 continues, and speaking of Moses, it says, So he went out from Pharaoh and treated the Lord, and the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt. Now the fish must have had a feast in the Red Sea, right? With all that. But, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. So again, we see that there was the opportunity for Pharaoh to humble himself time and time again. 
And there were the times when the Lord just hardened his heart and ordered him to show himself mighty on behalf of his people. But the Lord still showed mercy on the land, didn't he? He got rid of the locusts, but the man in charge of the land, his heart still remained hardened. The people of the land were relieved, but God still had work to do to show himself mighty in the lives of his people, his chosen people. Then verse 21, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. Wow, that's pretty powerful darkness right there. This is not your ordinary darkness that, when, that, that our eyes see when we go outside at night. This is much, much more than just that. This is a darkness that can actually be felt. And during the, the time, this time here that we're reading about, the Egyptians had a sun god, right? The god of the sun. And they called him Ra. Right? And this was their false god of the sun. But here God takes away all the light that the Egyptians could see. The darkness was so thick that they could feel it. The Lord God is the one and only God, and there is no light without Him. So Moses stretched out his hand in verse 22 toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. I mean, you had to sit totally still. You couldn't see anything to get up. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwelling. Wow, so it seems that the Egyptians couldn't even light a candle in their houses, in their dwellings, right? But the Israelites had light in their dwellings. The Egyptians couldn't even see each other for three days, right? But this wasn't the case with the Israelites. And you know what? As the people of God today, we always have the light of the Lord, no matter how thick the darkness may be around us. And the world continues to decay around us and grow darker and darker in a spiritual sense, right? The people of the world that see us, though, should look and see that we have light in our lives, right? Just like the children of Israel had light within their dwellings and the people of the darkness you wonder, I guess maybe they couldn't even see that light over there because their darkness was so thick they, they couldn't even get up. But today we have the light of the Lord within us and we should let that light shine to people around us. This week I, I followed up on just a little personal story here. I followed up on a sales lead for my business. And as I sat and I talked with uh, one of the business owners, I, I, I first asked about his company and what their needs were and such. And then I shared with him about my company and who I was. And I brought up to him that I am a born-again Christian. And I have no need to hide that or be ashamed of that. And that what I do, the work that I do, is, is as unto the Lord. And he stopped me in mid-sentence. And I didn't know what he was going to say. But he said, oh, that's what it is, huh? And I just smiled. And though I, I knew what he was about to say, I said, what do you mean? He said, I knew there was something different about you, and this whole time I've been talking to you, and I, I could see it. Now, 
to tell you the truth, I have no clue what people actually see when they say that kind of thing to me. But I know, and I told him, I said, if there's anything good that you see or anything that, you know, that you like, it's, it's the Lord within me. But you see, we must be willing to testify of him. Now, I have also lost a potential customer once because of that same testimony. But a few months later, they ended up coming back and calling me and using my business. But the point here is that we have the, the light of the Lord within us today as followers of Jesus Christ. And no matter how thick a darkness, you know, a, the darkness around us, no matter how thick the darkness is uh, around within the people that we live around and such, right, we can still shine as lights in the world. Can you imagine if we could see the Israelites' house and that thick darkness in all the lands of, of Egypt, how bright their houses must, must have looked just in comparison to the darkness, even if they each just had a candle burning, right? But the good thing that we know today is that the light of the Lord can pierce the darkness. He can pierce the darkness that we found ourselves in at one time. He can pierce the darkness that other people walk around in today. And everyone needs the light of the Lord in their lives. Let's read on verse 24. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, you must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And, and even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. Now Moses says, something that's very powerful to me at the end of verse 26, where he says what I just read. We do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. So in other words, they were going to be walking by faith in what was before them. God must not have given Moses all of the details of the future, nor has he given us all the details of our future. He wants us to just obey him, right? Obey what he tells us to do and to walk, just to walk in obedience to his word, right? We don't need to know tomorrow. We simply need the Lord with us today. Jesus has instructed us to take no thought for tomorrow, to trust in him. The Lord has given us what we need for today and what we have today we will take with us into tomorrow if it be the Lord's will. What the Israelites had, they were going to take with them, right? Here Moses says, we've got to take everything with us because we don't know what the Lord wants us to do in the future. Today, we give all that we have to the Lord. That's what we should do with our lives. Give all that we have to the Lord. Everything we own is His. The work we do, the job we have, whatever it is, we need to surrender all to Him. We come to Him and we give it all to Him and we hold nothing back. We don't serve the Lord on certain days. 
And we don't honor him with only certain things that we have. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It is all his, right? We need to recognize that everything we have is his, right? We first give our hearts to him. And then we sacrifice everything we have to him as well. It's all his. To follow the Lord is a life of complete and absolute surrender. And verse 27 says, But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said, You have spoken well. I will never see your face again. So Moses will not stand before Pharaoh again as we have seen him do time and time again thus far. But the plagues are not over yet. There will be one more plague, which is the plague of the firstborn. But the Lord just continues to show his mighty power. And we know today that he has spoken in one final way. As we have gone through Exodus, I have brought this up a few different times, that the Lord has spoken to us in one final way, and that is through Jesus Christ. There is no other sign that the Lord needs to show us in regards to his mighty power. The Lord doesn't want us seeking a sign. The Lord wants us to surrender our lives to him by faith and walk in obedience today to his word, right? Today we have the power of God unto salvation, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The hardened hearts of men today have only one option, and that is to turn to Jesus Christ and to be saved from this perverse and wicked generation. Those that have turned to Jesus must shine as lights because we have the light of the Lord within us so that those that have not turned to Jesus may have the opportunity to escape the darkness. But it really comes down to a couple of things. In order for us to escape the darkness or for anyone to escape the darkness, the spiritual darkness of this world, it comes down to, first of all, humility, right? Surrendering our lives completely to Him. And then it's all about obedience. Walking in obedience to the Word of God. It really is that simplistic, but our flesh makes it very complex because our carnal minds, our flesh wars against the Spirit of God and people don't want to submit. So I tell people it's easy to come to Christ, but it's also one of the most difficult things you'll ever do. Why do I say that? Well, because God has provided the way very simplistically to come to Christ. It's through faith and just come to Him by faith. But it's very difficult because He wants you to let go of everything else and realize that it's all His. He wants your heart completely in His hand. He doesn't want your heart tied to anything else but Him. He wants us to focus on Him. But he has provided a way to escape the darkness. And the answer, once again, that we come back to, that we have today, is our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to 
to read your word, to study your word, to expound on it, and, and to allow it to, to settle into our, to our minds and into our hearts, Lord. And I pray for all of us here and for those that will listen to this teaching, Lord, that we will become a people of obedience, that we will surrender our lives to the living God, the God of all creation, God who, who was, always was, who is, always is, and who is to come. God, today we walk by faith and not by sight. That's what you have given us. You have given us faith. It is your will that we would just obediently walk in that manner, Lord, that we would see your word, that we would hear it, that we would read it, that we would understand it, Lord, as your spirit teaches it to us. But but more so than just hearing it, Lord, you encourage us in your word to be doers of the work. So I pray for all of us, Lord, that we will just continue on in this temporary life that we have, that we'll continue in the paths of righteousness, that we'll seek you with our whole hearts, that we'll desire to walk in your will. Let your will be done. Have your way amongst us, Lord, we pray and within us. In Jesus' name.